Well, good morning, nine o'clock. Great to see you this week, because next week you'll all be at the 11 o'clock, right? I know you all, you know, like nine o'clock, we'll be all teaching to like three people next week. Uh, Yeah, no, we're not giving up an hour of sleep. We're just sleeping in. We'll go to the 11. I know how it works. Um, But anyway, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors. If it's your very first time, I just want to welcome you. Man, there's a lot going on this week, isn't there? Wasn't that awesome uh, video on CR? Like an amazing story, uh, the work. I love love CR. Uh, I love the ministry that they're, they're doing. And I think it's, you know, what, what Caleb said is so true, so true. So many times people kind of think of uh, Celebrate Recovery as just for like two or three things. And it's really for anything in our life, uh, kind of hurts, habits, hangups that are getting in the way of life. And so just such an awesome ministry. Um, and, uh, and then looking forward to movement class tonight. Uh, for those of you who are joining us here, we've had so many people sign up. We're actually moving round tables in here. So that'll be a first. So if you're um, planning to come to that, looking forward to seeing you there. But we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. And uh, so I hope you're awake today. Are you, you all awake today? Yeah, yeah good, good. Okay, good. All right, it was a little quiet there. I was just like checking in. I think you're just waiting till something good happens. But... Uh, anyway, inside your program is a green and white message note sheet we use every week, um, but I like to mention it because we often have newcomers, uh, and so um, we're going we're gonna to jump in. You guys ready to go? Okay, let's, let's jump in. Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, this is the day that you have made. Uh, this is the day you called us to. This is the day that you're with us. Your presence surrounds us. You know us. You're going to be uh, working in us today. And today, Lord, we just want to be seeking first your kingdom on this day, like every day. And so we just pray that you'd come by the power of your Holy Spirit. You'd release your truth during this this, uh, time that we spend together, truth that would uh, lead to freedom. You said that you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we pray that this would be an incredible time of learning and growth together as we explore your word and how you've shaped us over the entire course of our lives. And so we pray this in your name. And everyone said... Amen. Well, our story starts today in the desert, and it is a blazing hot day. And uh, he's out in the middle of nowhere. It's where his career has led him. Um, And it's an isolated life. Uh, He spends a lot of time alone. Uh, It's a solitary location. It's a barren location where he's stationed. in the summers, it's burning hot. In the winters, uh, especially at night, it's freezing cold. Uh, it's not what he thought his life would, uh, the way it turned out. In fact, when he was young, very different uh, career t- trajectory. Uh, but one of, the, one of the few things he likes about it is that being out here in the middle of nowhere, often on your own, gives him a lot of time to think. And uh, oftentimes, late at night, when he's laying there trying to go to sleep, that that his mind to go back over the course, uh, really the unexpected course his life has taken, the choices that he's made that have led him to this place, uh, and especially to uh, that one critical choice that he made that derailed his entire career and led him to this isolated place. And uh, many times as he's reflecting back on that critical choice, he, he wonders, did he do the right thing? Uh, he, he wonders uh, if he had to make the choice again, would he make the same choice? But the reality is, he always comes back to, it doesn't really make any difference now because this is where it's led him. 
And as he looks into his future, there's nothing to suggest that his life will ever change. But what he, he doesn't know is that it is, it is going to change. In fact, it's, it's about to change. In fact, on this very day, his life is going to change in an unforeseen way that will change the rest of his life forever. Well, today we're continuing this series that we've been in the last seven weeks called Serving Sacrificially, Discovering Your Purpose. And if you're brand new, I want to welcome you. Uh, what we're doing in this series is really coming together as a church and, and say, what does the Word teach us about God's vision for all of our lives? And then what does it teach about His specific purpose or calling for each of our lives? And so uh, one of the things we've been exploring the last uh, several weeks is how God has shapes us over the course of our life to prepare us for our specific life, uh, life callings and purpose. And to get at that, we've been using this very helpful acronym called SHAPE. You see it there on your note sheet. It's called, uh, on the section, Serving Sacrificially, Shape to Serve. Uh, and so uh, it kind of identifies, you know, each letter uh, stands for an area of our life. We've been looking at this. You can look at it on your note sheet. Uh, we spent uh, two or three weeks talking about spiritual gifts, how God has, has gifted us as believers. We, we talked uh, last week, Dre picked up the pace uh, and talked about both heart and ability. So heart speaks to these, uh, these kind of passions that God places in our hearts to make a difference and carry out his purpose. Uh, abilities are natural gifts, talents, skills that we're born with or develop uh, over the course of our life. We saw it last week with Nehemiah. So today we're going to tackle the final two areas of shape, which deals with our personality, our unique personality, and experiences, our life experiences that have shaped us. But before we jump into these two kind of final, so, uh, such high important areas, um, I, I want to go back to a passage of Scripture that we looked at the very first week of this series, because this is going to set us up for where we're going today. And so there on your note sheet, you have a section called Serving Sacrificially, Created and Shaped. And I want to go back to this passage we looked at the very first week. Some of you will remember this if you're here, but it's from Psalm 139, one of those profound passages in all the Bible about how God has, has, is shaping all of us from the time we're in our mother's womb to the end of our life to carry out his purposes. And in this passage, uh, King David is writing, reflecting back on his life, but of course, uh, seeing our lives through his life, all of our lives. And so I just want to hit it real quickly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to uh, kind of start with this because it has set, it up, set us up for where we're going. So I put it today in the New Century version just to have a little different look. And so it starts off, uh, he starts off uh, speaking to the Lord, Lord, and of course, of course all caps is, is the, the Hebrew Yahweh, right? So it's personal name of God. So he says, Yahweh, um, you have examined me, and you know all about me. And I love this. In the Hebrew, it literally says this, you have searched me, and you know. I love that. You've searched me, and you know. You know what? You know everything. Like, you know, like when your wife says, I know, like, <laughs> like he knows. And he says, you know when I sit down and when I get up. And you see this throughout this psalm. It's a, it's a Hebrew poetry, poetic way of describing knowing, every, like you know the beginning from the end, like we'd say in Greek, from alpha to omega. So it's like, you, you know when I sit down and when I get up and everything in between. 
Uh, he goes on, you know my thoughts before I think them. It reminds me of what Jesus said that, hey, when you pray, um, you don't feel like you have to go on and on and on because your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. He says, you know what my thoughts are before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. Or in the Hebrew, when I kind of get up, leave the house, and when I come back at night and everything in between. You know everything I do, Yahweh, even before I say a word, you even, you already know it, you are around me in front and in back, you surround me. I love this next image, you put your hand on me. Uh, your knowledge is amazing to me, it's more than I can understand, it just kind of blows my mind, it's too big for me really to wrap my head around. And then he goes back and he's going to talk about how God has been with us from the very beginning, even from our mother's womb. And, and by the way, this is why as followers of Jesus, it's so important for us to, to protect life at every stage from the womb on. And so he says, you've made my whole being, you formed me in my mother's body. I praise you because you made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this well. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together, you saw my body as it was formed. Then catch this, all the days planned for me. So we're going from womb to tomb, all right? So all the ways planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. So God, your thoughts are precious to me. There's so many. If I were to count them, there'd be more than all the grains of sand. This is a beautiful statement. David said, hey, Yahweh is so big. He's so involved. He knows everything about us. He knows every thought. He's been with you every step of the way from the moment you were conceived to the end of your life that he is with you, working, shaping your life so to carry out his purposes, right? So two, today we're going to look at two of those areas where God has shaped us from the womb uh, to the end of our life. We're going to be looking at your, your unique personality, how God has wired you as, as personally, and then also uh, in your, uh, how he shaped you throughout your life with key life experiences. And what we're going to see is that both personality and experiences play such an important part in understanding how God has designed you to make an impact, and this will help you identify where he's called you to serve. And so uh, we're going to jump in with the first, the, the P of personality. So you see there a section called Shape to Serve. P is for personality. I don't know if you know Sue Grafton, novel lovers. But anyway, uh, P is for personality. So let's start with, let's start with this, all right? So um, I, I don't know about you, but over the course of my life, I've taken a lot of personality tests. Have, have you done that? Uh, like, my guess is that most of you have taken over the course, like some, like I remember the very first one that I took, I was very young, like a teenager, and I took, kind of kind of read up on uh, temperament, classic temperament. I don't know if any of you have done that. So you, you, you kind of explore whether, you know, you're, it will classify all people into four basic temperaments. So like you're choleric, right, or you're melancholic, or you're sanguine, or the worst of all, you're phlegmatic. Uh, like, I'm not saying it's bad to be phlegmatic. I just hate that word because everyone's like, phlegmatic. But, uh, like, I wouldn't want to be identified that way regardless of what it means. But 
Uh, anyway, my guess is some of you have done that. Some of you have probably done the animal version of that, right? So are there any golden retrievers in the house? Do we see any golden retrievers? Any lions? We got any lions? Uh, any otters? Uh, any beavers? Beavers are working away hard right now. Uh, anyway, so maybe you've done that. Maybe for your career, uh, you've taken like a disc profile. Or maybe you've taken uh, kind of conflict management style profiles. Uh, one that's very popular right now is the, uh, and depending on how you want to pronounce it, the Enneagram or the Enneagram, right? Very, so how many of you have taken one or more of those kinds of instruments? Yeah, like most of us have. Right? And so these are all super helpful because what they help us to understand is we're wired differently. And the whole point is God is not going to design us one way and then call us to do something else uh, with our life, at least in the long term. Like, for example, uh, a hammer and a screwdriver are both very important tools, but they're designed for different purposes, right? And so you want to use a hammer for nails, and you want a screwdriver for screws, though some of you I know uses a hammer for screws. But... Um, <laughs> But you want, to, you want to, like, when you design a tool, you want to use it for what it was designed for. In the same way, God is not going to design us one way and then call us, like, at least long term, to, to really be used a different way. So the more we can understand how we're wired in terms of our personality, uh, the sooner we can recognize, like, quickly, like, where he's calling us to serve. Now, of all the instruments I've taken over my life, and I'm sure there's 10, 20 instruments, all very helpful, the most, uh, the most helpful to me personally has been what I know that many of you are familiar with is called the Myers-Briggs uh, Type Indicator. So uh, if you're not familiar with that, I, I was first exposed to this when I was 28 years old. So when I was 28, I took the Myers-Briggs. When I got the results back, they were so amazing. They described me better than I could describe myself, which is saying quite a bit, especially then. And, uh, and so uh, I became so intrigued by this that a few years later, I decided, like, I need to get certified in this. Uh, I need to become a trainer in this. And so I did. And so uh, I, I, I took it into our home, uh, our marriage, uh, our parenting, took it back to the church I was at the time, our staff uh, throughout the church. When I brought it, came to Rocky Peak, brought it here. Uh, and it's been an incredible tool. So it's just like one tool, um, but, uh, to, but to me it's the most effective tool that I've found, far more effective than any other tool, in helping me, first of all, not only to understand myself, but to understand others understand why we do what we do, uh, the way we do it. Uh, and, it and, it's, and it's incredibly uh, helpful, not only just in understanding yourself, but anything that involves relationships or involves people. And so this week, as you go to your life group study, um, we're going to have you go online and take like a 15-minute assessment that's based on Myers-Briggs theory. Now, uh, just to be clear, this is not the official Myers-Briggs test instrument because that's way too expensive. It has to be administered by a licensed, uh, kind of a licensed instructor, blah, blah, blah. You can't even buy the material. So 
Um, and so that's just impractical for doing this church. But this will be a shortcut for us, an easy way for us to begin to explore. And again, the whole point of this is simply to begin to explore how God has wired you to better understand how he's called you to serve. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to introduce you to the Myers-Briggs today. I'm going to take about 15 or 20 minutes and do what I normally do in four hours when I'm doing a training on this. And so it's going to be very high level, right? But this will prepare you uh, not only to, uh, to, to take the indicator that's online, uh, but also just to understand conceptually kind of what you're doing. Um, and I think it's going to be very helpful. So there in your note sheet, you have a section called the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. And what you'll see on there is you're going to see four spectrums. So when you're, uh, when you're, when you're using the Myers-Briggs Indicator, what it's looking for is four key preferences in your life. And so a preference is like right-handedness or left-handedness. Right? Like some of you were born with a preference for using your left hand, others for a right hand, and you never chose this, it's just how you're wired, right? And in a very similar way, that's kind of how Myers-Briggs theories work, is that they're trying to help you identify a preference. It's not good or bad, like right-handedness and left hand is not good or bad, just it's a preference. And so when you take uh, one of these indicators, the goal is just to give you a shortcut to help you understand uh, help you identify what your preferences are. So you'll see on there that you have these four preferences. Notice that um, at the start of each uh, side of the spectrum, there's a, a, a capital letter uh, in bold, right? So like you see extroversion, uh, we call people who prefer that E's, right? And you see introversion, I's. Now one correction I need to make on this is if you look at the second spectrum between sensing and intuition, what that should do is the I should be small at the front, the N should be big and capitalized. Uh, we've already used the I up for introverts, and so we call people who prefer intuition Ns, right? So you may want to make that correction. So, so let, me, uh, let, me, let, me jump, uh, let me jump in. We're going to very quickly go over this. We'll have a little bit of fun with it. Not too much because it's church, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, we, we'll have a little bit of fun, but uh, this is just to orient you, right, to prepare you, because what I'm going to do today is just basically introduce you to this, this, uh, this important area of personality and important area of experiences, and then when you go to your life group study, you'll have the time to delve in more into both sides and reflect on how God has been shaping you your whole life in these two areas. So let's jump in. So the first preference is between extroversion and introversion. Um, and so uh, this has, uh, in, in Myers-Briggs uh, type theory, um, these, uh, they, they sometimes use key words in a little bit different way than we normally do. So when we normally think of an extrovert, we think of someone who's wild and crazy, very outgoing, uh, someone who's introvert, very shy, reserved. That's not necessarily what they mean in this. Uh, this first uh, preference has to do with energy. It has to where do you get your energy from? What energizes you? Like, like what fills your cup? So extroverts tend to get energized by the world outside of themselves, the world of people, of things, of activities, right? Introverts tend to get energized by what happens inside themselves, their thoughts, their imagination, their 
uh, kind of emotions, things like that, right? So for example, let me, let me give you, let's say that you're married. I'll give several examples of marriage today, not because everyone's married, but it just helped illustrate this. Uh, when two, what happens when two types are married to one another, right? So let's say that you're married and uh, you have one person is an extrovert and one person is an introvert and you go together to a party, a large party with a group of friends that you all love, right? So what's going to happen? Well, chances are most extroverts, that is gonna fire them up. They're just like everyone they talk to, it's like ping, ping, ping. They're just taking in energy, right? They're just like an energy, they're sucking energy from you, right? And, and so by the time they get home, they are like energized. And they have a hard time before they can go to sleep or whatever. They need to settle down because they are pumped up. Uh, typically, most introverts will be the opposite. Everyone they talk to is stealing energy from them, right? <laughs> And so they're getting depleted. By the time they get home, man, they need to do something to recharge their batteries. Maybe go to sleep, maybe take a nap, maybe read a book, maybe work in the garage doing something that, on a hobby by themselves. But, but they need to re So, so uh, most of us, have, we, we all have a preference for either one or the other. Now catch this. When we talk about preference, this does not mean that you're completely one or another. We're all a mixture. Everyone has a need for extroversion. We all have a need for people, for interaction, activity. We all have a need for alone time, uh, you know, doing our own thing. But here's the thing. Uh, what we're looking for is, yeah, but if you only had one, like what would you do? Like we, we both have, we have a right hand and a left hand. Uh, I'm right-handed, and so if you said, hey, do you use both your hands? Of course I use both my hands, but my right hand is my dominant hand, at least it was until I ruined it last year. Um, and so uh, I, if, if, you could only, if you have to lose a hand, which hand would you lose? I would say I'd lose my left, at least I used to say that. So uh, you see what I'm saying is that we all need both, um, but the question is which do you prefer? So that, that's extroversion. The second... Um, the second preference is between uh, sensing and intuition. And remember, we call these S's and then N's. This is the, the one that was in, inaccurate on there. So uh, sensing and intuition. Now, of all the four, this is the hardest to understand. I'm going to do my best real quickly. Uh, what this has to do is how do you like to learn about life? How do you take in information about life? Like, all day long, we're taking in information and then making decisions all day long. So the question is, how do you prefer to take in information? And for sensors, sensors like to take in information through their five senses, right? what they see, what they smell. So, so they're very in tune with their environment. They pay attention to what's happening in the real physical world. They take in information that, that's very, uh, the way they prefer to take it in. Uh, intuitors, they, you know, they pay attention somewhat to the outside world, but they're more tied into kind of what's happening inside, their thoughts, their imagination, their intuition. And so the way this plays out is that uh, because sensors are so into what is, they, they, they tend to focus on the here and now. Yeah, here, because this is what I can see, this is what I'm experiencing right now, very much in touch with that. Uh, intuitives tend to be focused on 
the theory behind things and what could be. They tend to be focused not on now, but on the future, all right? So, um, so uh, what, what happens is that uh, sensors, they tend to approach life in a more detailed way. Uh, they tend to zoom in on life and see the details of what is. Uh, intuitors tend to zoom out, look at the big picture of what could be, all right? So the distinction. So let, let me just give you an illustration. Let's say that uh, a sensor is married to an intuitor, right? And so uh, the sensor is going, you ask the sensor for directions versus asking the intuitor for directions, right? So let's say that I ask a sensor, hey, I'm new here to Rocky Peak. I hear there is a new kind of mall or new kind of outside shopping center over in Porter Ranch that's called the Vineyard. How do I get there? The sensor is going to get much more detailed instructions. They're going to say like, well, first of all, you get in your car, <laughs> and then you put the key in the ignition, unless you have one you just push, and then you head out. When you, you come out of the parking lot, you're going to take a left on Iverson. You're going to go about 50 yards. You're going to do a stop sign there. You may notice there's some graffiti on the stop sign. Uh, you're going to take a left. That's called Santa Susana Pass Road. In fact, it's a kind of a stagecoach road from the old day. But anyway, you're going to go down left. Now, you're going to go. It's going to wind back and forth five times uh, before you come up. You'll be, there'll be a condominium complex on the left. Don't turn there. Uh, and then head up to the stop sign. Now, you get to the stop, I mean, get to the stoplight. That's Topanga Canyon. You're going to stop there. It's kind of a long light, but just wait. It will eventually turn, unless it's a weekend when people are leaving Rocky Peak, then you wait forever. But, uh, but you're taking a left up there. You're going to go about a quarter of a mile. Hey, you're going to hit a crosswalk. Don't park in the middle. There's a trailer park there. Like, stop there. Like, it is safe. It is safe. Don't stop there. And then you're going to exit. You're going to go right onto the uh, 118. And uh, that's the 118 freeway, the Ronald Reagan freeway. And you're going to head up right, uh, and then you're going to go down about a mile or two, and then you're going to come to this kind of, and then, and then this is how the instructor is going to go, right? So if the, if the, yeah, now if the person's an intuitor taking those instructions about the time you hit the graffiti on the stop sign, their eyes are rolling back in their head. And you're going like, hey, I'll just figure it out, right? If you ask an intuitor for directions, here's how it's going to go. Well, you just head out to Iverson, you go down to Santa Susana, when you hit Topanga Canyon, take a left, jump on the 118, go down a mile or two, get off, you'll see it, right? Now, what happens if, a, if a, that couple is married to each other? There's going to be a lot of, that's okay, I'll just figure it out. What are you talking about? You don't love me? I'm trying to share directions with you. I don't want you to get lost. That's okay. All right. So that's uh, sensors and intuitors. Okay, the third preference is between thinking and feeling. Now, again, remember we all do both sides of this. So this is important to understand. We're not saying that thinkers don't feel. We're not saying that feelers don't think. We're just saying it's a matter of preference. So this, this, this spectrum has to do with how you make decisions. Um, so if you're a thinker, you tend to make decisions. You've taken in the information, however you've taken it in. You're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision based on uh, more like logic, uh, objective principles, 
philosophical theory, you know, those kind of things. Um, if you're a feeler, you're going to make them, your decisions based more on personal values, uh, maybe uh, on some of your emotional feelings. You're going to base uh, more on the impact that decision will have on people you love. And so, uh, so thinkers tend to make decisions more with their head, feelers more with their heart. And remember, it's not a right or wrong, it's right-handed it's, it's right and left-handedness, um, uh, uh, but they're just very different ways of making decisions. Let me tell you a funny story from, I, I told you, this has been, Myers-Briggs has been revolutionary in our life. I learned it first 28, then I got, uh, you know, got trained in it, have done a lot of trainings, and so I brought it into our family. It's been incredibly helpful for Lynn and I understanding our differences because we are different on every one of the four spectrums except one, and the one that, she, that we're the same on is the last one of being judgers, and she's not like a real judger. She's like a fake judger. So we are, uh, and so, uh, so it's been incredibly helpful in our marriage to understand and communicate and to accept and to affirm and incredible but it's also incredibly helpful in raising our kids. Uh, and, and so just one illustration, funny illustration that, uh, so uh, when my, daughter, my oldest daughter, Alyssa, when she was uh, a junior in high school, we were still at this other church in North County, San Diego County, and so she was a, a junior in high school, my other daughter was a freshman in high school, and uh, so we were coming back, we were living in Vista at the time, we were coming back from Fallbrook, um, and so I, I turned around and asked my junior daughter, right? I said, hey, what are you doing tonight? I think it was like uh, Friday night. She said, oh, uh, the high school group, we're going down to La Jolla to University Town Center, major shopping center, and we're gonna be playing broom ball down there. So this is what they would often do. They'd rent out the big isoplex place and they'd go down late at night and play broom ball on the thing. And so just to tweak her, remember she's 16, just to tweak her, I said, hey, I'm thinking, hey, maybe I'll go with you because uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the youth pastors always really like us senior pastors to come see what's going on. And so maybe I'll go with you. And my daughter in the back seat, who is a T, a thinker, she says to me, dad, no, you're not going. I don't want you to go. And my wife, who's a strong feeler, is feeling protective of me and so she said, Alyssa, is that any way to talk to your father? And she said, Mom, he's a thinker. If he was a feeler, if I was talking to you, I'd do it differently. <laughs> uh, number four. The final preference is between judging and perceiving. And so uh, this, once again, Myers-Briggs uses language differently than often. So judging doesn't mean judgmental. What this has to do with is how you prefer to organize your life. How do you like to structure your life? So catch this. People that are, are judgers, they like it when things are decided. They like to, they have more, I've thought about that. This is my opinion. Uh, I've made a decision. They like life to be decided. It's like to, it's like to think through things, come to conclusions. Perceivers, they, they like to stay in that taking in information uh, zone longer, right? So they, they like to, so where judges like to take in information, let's make a decision, let's get this settled. Perceivers like to stay, no, I want to take in more information. 
And so what this, this does is this, this, um, this preference tends to then flow out in the way you live your life. So like judges like to plan their life and then work the plan, right? Perceivers, uh, they may have a plan, but they want to stay open to new options. So it leads to a more flexible lifestyle. So you say, what creates tension for a judger? What creates tension if you're a judger is when things are undecided. Uh, what creates uh, tension for a judger is when you have a plan, but the plan is not working out. Or when there's a plan and no one's working the plan. That creates tension, right? For the judge, for the perceiver, what creates tension? When everything is planned out. Um, when we're working the plan in too rigid a way. When there's no room for flexibility to respond to new things that are coming up that we didn't know when you started making the plan. So for example, let's talk about a, a couple that's going on vacation. And what is a judger and what is a perceiver? The judger's like, hey, it's 7.30, we need to be up. Uh, we've got a big day today, we're in Washington, D.C. Uh, we need to be at breakfast at uh, Cracker Barrel at eight. Uh, we need to hit the statue, no, we need to hit this, we need to hit that, and so they start working the day. I mean, everything's planned out. It's like, this is vacation, we got a lot to do here. We gotta get things going on. And the poor perceiver is like, I thought we were on vacation. <laughs> the whole point of vacation is not having to do anything. They're like, are you kidding? I've been working on this plan for two months. You know, we're already late just by this conversation. We won't be able to get grits. We're gonna have to go to first, you know, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to go to fast food. This is not gonna work out, you know? Like if you're fighting me all day long, this is gonna be a long day and we are not getting our vacation's money's worth, right? So I just want you to know that if you keep raising all these obstacles, it's gonna be your fault that we have a bad vacation. Right? So, what you see is these four preferences, they interact in a powerful way. And, if, and if, you, uh, if you combine them, if you take the four preferences, it actually allows for 16, there's 16 possible combinations. So you could be like an E and an S and an F and a J, or maybe you're an I and an N and a T and a P. There's 16, so that's what we call your Myers-Briggs Type. Now, your type doesn't explain everything about you. It doesn't explain what you do well. It doesn't say that you can't do certain things. It doesn't do any of that. It just says this is what you prefer. So when you take a Myers-Briggs inventory style of, of uh, instrument, uh, the goal is help you to help you identify your four preferences. One of the things I love about it is that you are always the final judge. So like, let's say that you test and you come out as introvert. You say, I don't think I'm an introvert. I think, really, I think as I'm Reddit and all, I think I'm an extrovert. Myers-Briggs will never tell you, no, you really are. You just don't want to admit it. <laughs> it will always say, no, you're the final judge. We're just trying to give you a 15-minute way to help figure this out, you know, faster. So uh, this week, you're going to be going online to take this uh, kind of version uh, that will help you figure out your, your four preferences. Um, 
And uh, what I want to encourage you is when you take that, and don't forget, if you're, like, if you're not in a life group, be sure to do this on your own uh, anyway. <laughs> um, just go to the servingsacrificially.rockypeak.org website, you know, with all of our studies are on there, and you just, you can go to week eight and take it, uh, that'll tell you how to take it. But uh, anyway, when you take it, if you, if, to get the most accurate, uh, accurate uh, read on you, it's important that you try to answer the questions as your true self. And you say, well, what's your true self? Well, as much as I've told you that there are no right or wrong answers, many times we think there are. So for example, if you were an introverted kid growing up with two extroverted parents, you're probably in therapy today. Because your whole life, your parents have said things like, why are you staying in your room? Why don't you make more friends? Why don't you want to go to the dance? What's wrong with you? Right? So, uh, so you can carry that. Let's just say in the case of it, you can carry that with you. So when the, when the inventory asks you a question like, hey, if you have free time, would you rather go to a party or spend time by yourself? Even though the true self has spent time, you know, the true answer is spend time by myself, you may feel like, oh, the right answer is go to the party, you see? So we want to help you, uh, I want to encourage you, to the best you can, we're looking for your true self. Who are, you know, what would you prefer when there's no pressure to be something that you're not? Like many of you are probably in jobs that require you to be something you're not, and so, if they, if so, so for example, let's say that you're a salesperson, but you're highly introverted, right? But for whatever reason, you're in sales, and so you go to a company party, you know, what are you going to do? Very likely, you're going to work the room. You're going to network, but that's not what you would do if you were on your own time. You'd find a couple good friends and hole up in the corner and enjoy the whole evening. So the question is, like, what is your true self? And so, so do that the best you can. So uh, when, once you take this instrument online, they'll come up with your top three potential types, four-letter types. You can kind of read those, see which one you think is the best. Um, and then be sure to read down the page. It will tell you more about these four different spectrums, give you some more illustrations. Now, like I said, this whole uh, inventory is free, but if you want to pay more, they will <coughs> unpack a lot more of great information for you. So uh, I'm just telling you that you don't need to do that. That's, like, that's not part of this. But if you want to, you, you can do that. They'll give you some great information. Uh, normally, that costs $29, but we have put an online code on there that takes it down to 19 So that, that code is in the, in the instructions you'll get this week as you take it. All right. If you're not, if you're not doing it, the, the, I'll just give it to you now. It's all, all caps, online 10 is the code, online 10, right? All right, now, let's, let's go back to why we're doing this, right? This is just one instrument. We could use others, but the whole goal is to help you better understand how God has wired you from the womb so that you can uh, be quicker to, to understand if this is how he's designed me, then what would be the roles he might be calling me to? So, for example, um, if you're, let's say that you're uh, you're uh, fairly highly introverted, um, but you also have the, the spiritual gift of evangelism. Uh, that what that means is you're going to have a natural passion to share Jesus with others and help them come to faith. But being highly introverted, it's unlikely that God is usually going to call you to a ministry that requires high extroversion, like maybe doing street preaching, for example, 
or going door to door talking to stranger after stranger, chances are that gift of evangelism, he'll use that in relational ways with people that you're related to and your coworkers, uh, with uh, a relatives, maybe online apologetics, something like that that would more be a, a greater fit. Uh, another example, let's say that you're extroverted um, and you're an intuitive, so a big picture thinker, very like, very, it's very unlikely God is gonna call you to join a ministry here at Rocky Peak where you work behind the scenes on highly detailed routine work. That after three days, you'll be willing to kill yourself and go be with Jesus, right? <laughs> but for, some, for someone who's introverted and a censor, that may be the perfect role. Like this, I can really serve the kingdom and use my gifts here in a powerful way, and I don't have to talk to anyone, and I'm in my own space, and uh, I love doing things over and over and just doing them really well. I just really, I'm built that way. So the more you understand your personality, the more effective you can be. So there in your note sheet, a great quote from Rick, uh, where he says, Rick Warren, where he says, like stained glass, our different personalities reflect God's light in many different colors and patterns. This blesses the family of God with depth and variety. It also blesses us personally. It feels good to do what God made you to do. When you minister in a manner consistent with the personality God gave you, you experience fulfillment, satisfaction, and fruitfulness. That's the whole point. We're just trying to give you a, a lens to better understand how you're wired. This is the most effective lens I've ever found. All right, so that's, that's, I, that's number four, fourth area of shape. The fifth area is this whole area of experience. So you have there on your note sheet a section, shape to serve, E is for experience. So let's, let's jump in. One of the things that we saw today in Psalm 139 is that God, you know, has from the, from the very beginning of our life shaped our days close with us. He surrounds us. His hand is on us, that he's shaped us throughout our life. And one of the key areas of the weight tools he does that is through life experience. Like think of who you are today and the key life experiences that have shaped you. Uh, and this is true uh, of people in the Bible as well. And uh, there's, you can see this many times in the Bible, many of the people that God is going to use, you can see how he shaped them over the course of their life. Uh, one of the best examples for me in the Bible is the life of Moses. And this takes us back to the story that we started the day with. Uh, we started the day with this guy who's on the backside of the desert, you know, burning hot days, uh, freezing cold nights, very isolated life, gives him a lot of time to think. He's reflecting back on the, the career choices he's made, the life choices he's made that's led him to this place, very different where his life is now than where he thought it was gonna go. I think this is a, a fair description of the life of Moses. If you, if you look at the life of Moses, you can really divide the, his whole life into three 40-year acts, all right? So let's talk real quickly about that and how God prepared him. So in act one of his life, you know, Moses is he's, uh, born to Jewish parents who are slaves in superpower Egypt during a time of national genocide. So Pharaoh has given the orders, all male babies are to be killed, but through the courage and faith of his parents, uh, Moses is rescued from the Nile and he's raised by an Egyptian princess. So he, so he grows up, he, he's born into a Jewish slave family uh, and learns at least rudimentary about Yahweh, the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he's raised in a Egyptian culture, high-class culture, palace culture, uh, finest training and education 
of the day, leadership training and so on of the day. That's act one from zero to 40, 40 years old. But when he's 40 years old, this is when he goes out, and as you, you may remember the account, that he sees that uh, there's an Egyptian slave master who's beating the heck out of an Israeli slave. He feels a, a kinship with this, you know, he's, he's part of his people. And so he goes to protect the slave, to rescue him. In the process, he kills the Egyptian slave master. And when that's discovered, he's forced to run for his life. And this, this initiates Act 2. And in Act 2, which goes from 40 years to 80 years, uh, he's going to run as a, as a refugee, a fugitive to the land of Midian, the deserts of Midian. And there, just think, think of what a life change this has been. You're going from the penthouse uh, to the outhouse. I mean, you're, you're going from uh, living in the palace as a prince, uh, the finest of everything, to living as a poor, really shepherd existence. And so now he's going to be a shepherd the next 40 years, you know, often a very solitary life out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, and I'm sure there's times where he looks back and just thinks about that one critical decision, what he did that day. Was that the right thing, the wrong thing? It changed the course of his life. But now it's forced him to live in the desert. And uh, so he's, he's getting used for 40 years. He, has, he gets used to living and surviving in hostile land. In fact, uh, one day, it's while he's out on that day. Remember, I said his, he sees no future change in sight. But it's on that day when he's 80 years old that he's out near Mount Sinai when all of a sudden Yahweh appears to him, remember, in the burning bush. And that is going to change his life forever in a way he never could have foreseen. And so God calls him to go back to Egypt and eventually lead the nation out and into the wilderness. Now, what I want you to think is how God prepared him for that role, right? He, he, was in a, he was in a unique, just like Nehemiah last week was in this unique role to be cupbearer of the king. The, no way the story of Nehemiah could happen without that background. Same way with Moses, that Moses, born into a Jewish family, introduced to Yahweh and the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at an early age, but then raised in an Egyptian palace, highest culture, greatest education, leadership. And so now he goes back. He can go back. He understands Israel. He understands their slavery, their hardship. He also understands palace life. He understands the politics of Egypt. It may even be because he was raised that way that opened the door for Pharaoh to see him. Like, why would Pharaoh see some some, you know, just some 80-year-old shepherd from Midian, right? So he gets entrance to the Pharaoh, uh, and then he's able to lead the people out. But catch this, he's going to lead them where? To the desert where he's going to be in the next 40 years. Can you imagine how hard that would be to be a leader leading a couple million people out if you'd never lived in the desert, if you just had this posh life your whole life? But he knows desert. He understands desert. This is nothing new. Uh, he's going to lead them right back to where the burning bush was to, by, by Mount Sinai. And so he's, he's, he's able to lead them in the desert, but catch this, because of his education, he is able to record the story of Israel for us, and he's able to record the laws that God gives the nation of Israel because he has those gifts. So as you look back at the life of Moses in the rearview mirror, you can see how God was working through all of those circumstances to prepare him for his unique calling. 
And you can see this over and over. If we had time, we could talk about Joshua. We could talk about David. We could talk about Daniel. We could talk about Isaiah. We could talk about Ezekiel. We could talk about the Apostle Paul and just look back and see how God has shaped him. And here's the point. God, as we have saw today in Psalm 139, he's been shaping you from the very beginning. From your mother's womb, the family you grew up in, life experiences, every day of of your life written in his book. He's been shaping you. And so this week in your your study, your life group study, uh, Rick Warren will identify six areas of our life where God has been shaping us. I'm going to add one more to make it perfect. And there on your note sheet... There in your note sheet, we're not going to go into great detail, but I just want to highlight, these are the six areas in plus one um, that we're going to be looking at this week. So family experiences, right? Our family of origin, our early life experiences greatly shapes us. Uh, Educational experiences, where you went to school, what you like studying in school, how much school, those things shape us. Uh, Vocational experiences, your career experiences. Remember, you know, Nehemiah last week. It was his career that put him in the position to serve well. Uh, Spiritual experiences, how you came to Jesus, um, uh, your your spiritual journey, key lessons along the way, how God has grown you, big mistakes that you've made. All these play a part. Uh, We move on to ministry experiences. Often God will call us into a ministry that we want to fix because it's really, it's like we had a really bad early life experience in this. And we like, we want to make this right and do this the right way. Or we want to reproduce a ministry experience we had that was phenomenal. It's like, hey, when I was in high school, I had this youth leader. And they poured it in my life and it shaped me. And I want to do that for other students now, right? Often our ministry experiences shape us. Uh, painful experiences. This is one of the most important part. If we had more time, I'd go into greater detail. Rick does go into detail, and you're reading this week, but often it's at the place of your greatest pain that God wants to redeem and to use as your place of greatest ministry. And then you have relational. The the one that I added is relational experiences. He kicked it off by talking about family relationships, but one of the most important area of our life are relationships. I mean, this is why Jesus said the top priority, love others as I have loved you. And so there's many times relational experiences that we've had that we've learned from and grown from. Maybe it's dating experiences. Maybe it's marriage experiences, parenting experiences. Some of you have gone through a painful divorce, divorce experiences. Uh, mentoring experiences, friendship experiences, but many times there have been key ways that God has shaped you through these key relationships that he wants to use in your life, all right? So this week, you're going to be spending some time reflecting and praying over your life and how God has been shaping you in the key areas of experience that he may want to use as part of your assignment. Now, so this leads us to one last question. There in your note sheet, you have a section called Serving Sacrificially, one final question. It's not final for the series. It's just final for the section on shape. So we've spent five weeks talking about five areas where God has shaped us, the the S-H-A-P-N-E. And so as we wrap up this section of the series, I want to end with one final question, which is why I creatively titled it that way. But here's the question. The question I want you to reflect on is, what is your shape? Kind of, kind of obvious. What is your shape? So we started this series 
by saying that according to the Word of God, according to the Bible, that God is very clear that when you came to Jesus, that He has chosen you before time. And not only to be forgiven, not only to enter into a relationship with part of His family, but He's chosen you to join with Jesus and to partner with Him to to uh, bring all of heaven and earth healed and restored under his leadership, and he's been shaping you for that your whole life to carry out, as Ephesians 2 says, these works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So that's a big picture. But the last five weeks, we've spent time on shape because I want to get as practical as possible to help you identify what are those areas where God has shaped me to partner with Jesus. And so as we begin to wrap up this fifth week, and then in our life groups, we wrap up this fifth week, I really want you to be asking the question, so what is your shape? Now, uh, I'm sure for many of you, you're still very much in a discovery process. In fact, for some of you, I'm saying, wow, this is a lot of information, and I'm still back on spiritual gifts trying to figure those out. And about the time I, I, by the time I think I might be getting close, you move on to something else. And so I, I'm still figuring out spiritual gifts. I, I'm not sure what my passion is. Now you're throwing personality at me. Um, kind of getting overwhelmed here. I came to be built up and encouraged, not discouraged. Right? Um, and so I just want to encourage you that this is a process. This is a process. And many times it's going to take a while. The coming weeks and months. As you, but what I want to encourage you is this is something we need to press into because there's a lot at stake. There in your note sheet, you have a couple of quotes from Rick again, but he, he talks about this, how we'll be most effective when we're working in the area that combines these five areas of shape. And he does this very creatively in this one sentence. He includes all five. He says, you'll be most effective when you use your spiritual gifts, so there's the S, and your abilities, there's the A, in the, the area of your heart's desire, the, the H. And in a way that best uh, expresses your personality, P, and your experiences, right? So the idea is that this is why it's so important for us really to think and to pray and to pursue the Lord because we'll be most effective when we're working in those roles that kind of combine these five areas of shape. Uh, I like what he says next. He says, God deserves your best. He shaped you for a purpose and he expects you to make the most of what you've been given. Remember the parable of the talents, we learned that. He doesn't want you to worry about or covet abilities you don't have. Instead, he wants you to focus on the talents he has given you to use. When you attempt to serve God in ways that are, you're not shaped to serve, it feels like forcing a square peg into a round hole. It's frustrating. It produces limited results. It also wastes your time, your talent, and your energy. Now, Ken, the best use of your life is to serve God out of your shape. That's why we're spending time with this. To do this, you must discover your shape, first of all. Number two, learn to accept and enjoy it. And then number three, develop it to its fullest potential. So, so this week, I want to challenge you as we go into this final week focusing on shape, that, that you really press into these two final areas of personality, uh, and life experience, but sometimes thinking, reflecting, praying over that, and then we'll come together in our life groups this week to explore these five areas together and how, what, what we're learning about the way God has shaped us as we pursue him like with a whole heart. Amen? Let's pray together. 
So Father, we just pray, we just come down, we thank you for what we're learning, and what a beautiful thing, God, that we have not created us all the same, that we have a unique personality that you've designed uh, with preferences from the womb on, and that you want to use these in our life, and that you've been shaping us from the day we were, uh, from the very beginning, from the womb to the tomb, you've been shaping us uh, to carry out your purpose. And so, Father, we pray that as we uh, lean into this week, as we, we, we explore this this week, that you would motivate us and empower us to press into this with our whole heart, that uh, we, would, we would really begin to learn by the power of your Spirit how you've designed us and begin to understand a little bit better of the roles you've called us to play. We pray as we, we worship you now, and we pray as we bring our tithes, our gifts, our offerings, you meet us now as we pursue you together with that whole heart. We pray in your name, amen. Would you stand with me?